Welcome to the Dirtbag State of Mind podcast from the Climbing Zine. I am Luke Mihal, and this is episode 14 of season 2, a conversation with Chris Calouse. I'm guessing that most of our listeners know who Chris Calouse is from the Enorma cast. Many of you may have found out about the Climbing Zine or the Dirtbag State of Mind podcast from Mr. Calouse. He's been an avid advocate as you'll see here in our conversation. But if you don't know who he is, he's the host of the EnormaCast podcast. And they've got well over 200 interviews. I say they, but it's also like the zine. It's it's the royal we. It's a one-man show over there. And he's produced um, a catalog of storytelling, interviews, that's really unparalleled, I think in the avenues that we have available and i think he really expands upon how storytelling has been done in the climbing world i've got a lot of joy out of listening to those interviews and you know sometimes in my head i'll have a conversation with with him when he's kind of talking about something it's really kept me company on a lot of road trips and i've also been able to you know have a friendship with chris through our endeavors and it's really been uh a good friendship, and I'm, I'm really grateful for to get to be able to know Chris Calouse. This is the point in the show where I usually encourage you to check out the link in our show notes to um, support the zine, but this time I would ask you to support the Enormacast. I'll leave a link in our show notes to Chris's site, and you can donate through his site there. And he's It's really a labor of love that he does, and... It's really um, something that he does for the climbing community, and he's not trying to get rich at it. So support Chris, support the EnormaCast, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with Chris Calouse. Hey, everyone. Tommy Caldwell here. You know, everyone, at least in the climbing world these days, is trying to figure out ways to live more intentionally, to live a less impactful life. And one of the best things we as climbers can do to make that happen is to support and buy things from the companies that are doing the same thing, the companies that are figuring out ways to lower their carbon footprint, lower their chemical usage, make their products out of recycled materials, make products that just don't wear out. And you know, the only company that's doing that well in the ropes and hardware space is Edelrid. They've been innovating the best products for over 100 years. They invented the sit harness. These days they make unquestionably the most high quality ropes, the lightest weight carabiners, and really they're just awesome all around. So check them out at www.climbgreen.com. Hey, this is Chad Rich. I'm the editor and producer of this podcast. We can't bring you this audio art without your support and support from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Scarpa. Scarpa's approach to climbing shoe design mirrors their approach to the pursuit of climbing itself. They strive to evolve and incorporate new ideas and techniques every step of the way. They refine their strengths, train their weaknesses, and build on each success. Scarpa has been bolstering its climbing shoe foundations by continuing to create versatile, high-quality designs that satisfy the needs of climbers across a range of disciplines and skill levels. For more information, visit scarpa.com. Now let's get into the episode.
Well, I want to start this out by saying thank you to you, Chris. As we were talking about before we started recording, the Enormacast is, is a, I was on the early days of the Enormacast. I was just looking at it today. It was like episode 42. We've done hundreds since then. And many people found out about the climbing zine through the Enormacast. So I just want to start off by, by saying thank you. Yeah, no problem, dude. I mean, yeah. I, I remember being a good interview and interesting and, you know, uh, having that sort of, you know, whatever compatriot, you know, small media guy that's trying to just do his own thing, which is my big push when I started podcasting. So it felt like a good fit. Yeah, totally. And we didn't know each other at all at that point. We'd met. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we'd met in Taylor Canyon. We'd met in Taylor Canyon once and the Black Canyon once. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Um here we are in another dark, seedy room. What are you talking about? This is my house. That's Someone true. It's not seedy. Well, it's, it's just dark. It's a, well, it's dark because it's so hot outside. I keep it like fully shaded down here, and totally. it is in it is in the midst of sort of a, you know, multi-year remodel. So you're right. There's holes in the walls and stuff like that. So, but uh, but it's also you know it's also cool down here, which is why it's, we're down here. It's nice and cool, and I appreciate you making the time. And we're gonna do this up do this up in Lander. And I just happened to be coming to Carbondale to see my buddy Brian Malone for our annual visit. And uh, this worked out. So thank you. Yeah, we had to bail from Lander early. So I apologize for that. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to apologize. Well, it's because, you know, I sit around trying to talk people into doing interviews. And I find it to be, you know, really annoying when they're hard to, like, pin down. And so suddenly I was like, I became this hard to pin down guy for, you know, for the fest. So I, I was just like you know, commiserating with you as a podcaster. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I am a <laughs> podcaster. And when, when you first interviewed me, um, well, I, I want to go, I want to start with how you found the climbing zines. We met in Taylor Canyon. You were kind of doing stuff for the Gazette, the mountain Gazette, um, which has made a resurgence recently, mm-hmm, which is mm-hmm. kind of cool. Uh, but that was back in the days of like print media was right. like your main way to do anything, right. you know, and we've come so far since then but you found the climbing zine in columbia that's right okay i'm glad you reminded me (laughs) yeah right when you said that i was like oh god he's gonna ask me how i found the climbing zine i can't remember (laughs) but yes i did found it in columbia despite the fact that we had gone to school in the same place in gunnison colorado Mm -hmm. um slightly different times and then we both spent a fair amount of time in Yosemite, and we both spent a lot of time in the creek. And right. We never even crossed paths in the creek, which is just crazy. Yeah, and it's. I think the whole thing, you know, the time in Gunnison too. Like, it was just like right when I was leaving Gunnison. That's when you showed up. You know, kind of your heyday in the creek started when I was petering out mm-hmm. down there and not going quite as much. So I think it's kind of that, like. Each time I was sort of on the downslide of whatever I was into, then you were you were kind of on the upside because you're younger than I am too. So yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, um, but yeah, that that first Enormacast episode um, was just huge for gaining an audience, and like literally for years, I would always ask people how they found out about the climbing mm-hmm. zine. And for like three years, it was the Enormacast, and now the only thing that's beaten you is Instagram. Oh, nice! Like yeah. now the answer like is Instagram. Right, right. Thanks um, to yeah, so. So Zuckerberg has beaten me, but but I think you got a smaller everything. team than Zuckerberg. Yeah. <laughs> um, smaller fortune too, by a considerable amount. <laughs> by a considerable amount. <laughs> well, uh, let me say this: the only the other thing that's been cool about the uh, Norma cast and maybe continues to help you is that the the old episodes get downloaded and listened to um, all the time. Like people are, 
you know, they find it and then there are these collect collectivists or collectors that want to listen to the whole thing. And so all those old episodes, including yours, will, will get, you know, a, some bunch of downloads every year, even now. Dude, so. I had a guy at the crag like a week ago. He was like, oh, yeah, he's like, I know who you are. You were you were in the old school Norma cast. And he like, mm-hmm. he looked, he like did a wistful look and he's like, I really missed those days or something, you know, like <laughs> he was nostalgic really about the really old Norma cast. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I know what it's it was. more slick now. I don't know. I wonder what he meant by that. He was just nostalgic for right, the old episodes. Right. Maybe, yeah. you know what it is? It's like, um, it's like when you find a band that was yours first mm-hmm. while they were still indie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's yeah. probably a lot of that. Like, well, I was there back in those days and, you know, then he sold out or whatever. Um, or, I mean, I don't know if there's, but you know what I mean? Like it was yours when you felt like it was small and only a handful of people were listening to that music. Yeah. And you, we talk about the independent climbing media thing mm-hmm. and you were kind of joking with me that was like either me or you would succeed, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> which I, maybe there was a perception like that because it was probably about six or seven years ago right. that we did that interview in the yeah. Motel 6 At or least, whatever yeah. in, in Salt Lake City. It was City. 42, then it was, yeah, it was probably like, yeah, about that, right? Yeah, yeah, and we've become friends, right. I feel like, through this medium, yeah. um, through the climbing zine, 100%. the Enormacast. Actually, my, my previous thought was, when we kind of started these things, there was only really like rock and ice climbing the Alpinist and like real rock that were outlets of climbing media. Yeah. And now seven years later, there's thousands of outlets. Right. right. There's some leading podcasts and then there's a hundred podcasts that are training related that, you know, I'm guessing people like us don't really listen to, but other people do. And, and, and something <laughs> I, I feel like I want to do is encourage other people to kind of go down this path. Um, and I think this will be very interesting because for the listeners, because we have very different approaches, you know, like I go to outdoor retailer for three days and I am in like 15 to 20 meetings. Like my friends that go to meetings with me are just like, geez, like you are, you're going to so many meetings and you're kind of casual doing your thing, interviewing people and you show up for a happy hour <laughs> and, and just our hustles are so different. Like right. I, I heard you say recently, like you're talking about merchandising, like I just can't get motivated and like <laughs> you can't get motivated to like mail something out, but like that's my forte right, is like right. customer service, like right. with mailing. Like you ask my customers or whatever, like that's what I'm good at. I remember Jeremy Collins said something similar on one of your episodes too, of like I just can't, I can't motivate to put this thing in the box and and put right. it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I really want to know, especially for the listeners, dude, how did the Enormacast start? Because you you had a, a different named podcast to start, right? Yeah, well, that's funny because I had a a podcast called Off Belay, which there's now another podcast called Off Belay. I think out of the, <laughs> yeah. I think out of you the east. Assume? <laughs> no, well, it's funny you should say that, but they, I think they're kind of east coast based. Gotcha. Um, and just kind of making a little run at it. So yeah. I don't know what their future's like. But Shout yeah. out to the Off Belay podcast. Yeah, Off Belay podcast, <laughs> great name, great name, you guys. The whole the origin story has to do with painting houses listening to podcasts so this would have been in the you know like 2008 2009 and podcasts were a very niche thing um they've been around for years but they were they were still this kind of like really you know you had to download them you had to put them on your ipod you know because this was pre-smartphone too (laughs) yeah totally so you know you had to go find them and get them and and deal with it on your computer load them up and but i got kind of into it it was a real diy years of the podcasting Mm -hmm. and that was its appeal to me 
Um, however, there was a couple. Um, Dirtbag Diaries was around. I mean, Fitz was really like very f- in the front end of at least outdoor podcasting. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally maybe the first sort of outdoor mm-hmm. oriented podcast. There had been a pod a climbing podcast called Pod Climber, hmm. which was one of those things where it was just a little too too early to mm-hmm. ever catch on because there just wasn't an audience in podcasting. And then uh, I just listened to them at work and a, a lot of DIY ones, particularly like. Uh, the history of Rome. I can't remember the guy's name, but oh, the guy that does like the three-hour podcast. No, that was or... um, the, the hardcore history. That's yeah, still going, oh yeah, yeah. No, this was even lower production value. Gotcha. Yeah, he was just yeah. he would just write out this stuff and talk about Rome in like twenty or thirty-minute episodes. And uh, Mike Duncan, I think that was his name. Okay. I think he's still around in the podcasting world, but um, just like literally, you know, you could tell he was just like in his in his office, just doing this thing. And yeah. same thing of like. I'm excited about this medium that I can just do this. And I thought it was fascinating. And then Mark Marin was showed up on mm-hmm. the scene and yeah. that was the guy and it's common knowledge that I just ripped off his, his mode lock, stock and barrel. And, and the big thing is, is that Marin did this thing, two things. First of all, he was talking to comedians, but he wasn't talking to them. Like you see them on ch- talk shows where totally they just lob a question so they can do a bit. Yeah basically is what it is you know like oh you've got this bit so i'm going to set up a question where you can do your funny bit he was talking to them about their lives who they were and it turns out that comedians are totally are, are you swear podcast guy oh fuck yeah okay yeah. so it turns out that comedians are totally fucked up yes like pe- yeah. it's yeah. a real difficult lifestyle mm-hmm. it involves a ton of you know you know addiction is really common you mm-hmm. know emotional issues bad relationships it just goes with the territory and so he had a lot of fascinating stories to get out of these these guys that wouldn't do their bits and and i was like that could be applied to climbers no problem like let's talk not about your climbing not about what you sent i mean it's part of it but let's talk about who you are what you do where you came from all that sort of stuff so that was it and i just said all right i'm gonna try to do that and um the first podcast was with a partner and Mm -hmm. there was just a falling out between myself and the partner gotcha and technically you know she or i'll say they sorry technically they came up with the name Uh so when i was like well you know i'm gonna keep doing this they were like no 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 that you can't so that's why i laughed when he said that if i'm gonna sue him i might not i can't (laughs) but this person that person could whatever The point is, is that then that fell apart. And then I kind of like was like, well, I'll just do it by myself. And, yeah. You know, same reason I used to solo walls because mm-hmm. I was like, well, if I depend on somebody else. They have to show up. I have to deal with their schedule. You know, if they want to go down, I have to go down. So it was like kind of like the podcast equivalent of soloing a big wall. I was like, if I do it myself, then I call the shots and I get it done. And and that's when it, and it also kind of that's when I really took over the Marin kind of thing. Yeah, without the 10 minutes of rants at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I also, the other thing I was going to say, here was two things, is that he, you know, he saw podcasting. I mean, um, he wasn't the only one, but he saw it for, for its advantages. Mm-hmm. And he kind of threw the journalism thing, like all the rules of journalism, out the window mm-hmm. to say that you don't. You know, there, you, no one knows anything about Terry Gross. Right. She's, you know, <laughs> yeah. she's this like, s- like this mystery cipher because her journalistic attitude and her 
acumen is that we I don't insert myself in this interview mm-hmm. as much as I can. I mean, and it's funny because when she, I've noticed that when she does, and you get a little glimpse of who Terry is, like those are super popular episodes of Fresh Air, because people yearn for it. They totally. want to know who yeah. this person is, what she yeah. looks like. But she's a journalist, and she's got that integrity. So Marin realized, and a bunch of other podcasters then and since have realized that, well, we don't have any rules. Mm-hmm. We didn't go to journalism school. Mm-hmm. We aren't bound to this shit. So I can talk about myself all you want, and if you don't want to listen, you don't have to listen. And nobody's going to cancel my show. Yeah. Because that's the other thing. It's like, if you want to listen, you don't have to listen isn't any attitude you're going to get onto television or on the radio with back then. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I don't care. Don't listen then. Yeah. You know, imagine a show on TV going like, I don't care. Don't watch then. Yeah. Like it's not part of the fabric. Mm-hmm. It is with podcasting, depending mm-hmm. on what you want to achieve with your podcast. Mm-hmm. But he, and he was like, yeah, it's, it's a whole backstory that can go way deeper. But that was the point. I was like, you really can do whatever you want. And if I do 10 episodes and nobody listens, I can just stop. I mean, the investment was some mics that I already had. And like, I mean, the investment's almost nothing, right? Totally. If you have a laptop already. And, and I had a couple mics from playing music. I was like, I had to get a digital interface and that was, that was it. So, I mean, an investment of literally a few hundred dollars. Yeah. And you've got a podcast. Yeah. Which is funny because as I, you know, in the last 11 years watch podcasting grow um that's it's been 11 years yeah or wow. no 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 sorry 2011 so 10 years 10 years yeah or still. almost 10 sorry. yeah yeah i misspoke because it's, it's 2011 but i've watched it grow and i realized there was this point and i you know i don't know when it was maybe four years ago where everybody caught on to that exact thing that i had already figured out mm-hmm. is that you can make a podcast for almost nothing and mm-hmm. most people depending on what kind of sound quality you want most people in the United States have the means to make a podcast right now Mm -hmm. if they own a laptop. Mm -hmm. That's all they have to have. Yeah. It'll sound like shit if you talk to the laptop screen. Totally. But you could put a podcast out. Oh, and then you need a, you know, a free website. Yeah. You know, so all of a sudden, like all these companies and stuff realize like, Oh yeah, we can put a podcast together for nothing. Yeah. So all of a sudden Trader Joe's has a podcast. (laughs) Right whatever walmart has a podcast like podcast 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 yeah. so that was like the big explosion i think probably like four or five years ago there was like this cluing into like this thing so yeah how do you start like wh- who when you started the enormacast you had a little bit of experience with the off belay right. who who did you start with and and where did you start to draw from like the experience of of asking people questions because i think you are a really good interviewer. Like you, you latch onto things kind of like Marin does really. Right. Where do you start with this whole thing? And, and what was it like? Well, I started literally, I started with my friend Lisa Hathaway down in Moab mm-hmm. and that's how the, the mobile studio got into it. Mm-hmm. Be- well, actually we did the first couple in her camper, but it was the same, same difference. Uh-huh. And do you still have the mobile studio. Yeah, I do. Okay. It's, it still exists. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's kind of falling apart, but it still runs, but um, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. But it's really unsafe. Oh yeah, we're talking about this is the yeah. the lander. It, uh, we, you should like there should be a climbing museum yeah, in yeah. in Moab, right. and it should be there. It should. But be anyways, in it. Uh, yeah. So Lisa, Lisa Hathaway. Yeah. So we we I just basically like hey, I'm going to do this thing, and she's game. She's a good friend of mine. So she just sat down and we did the first couple of hours just chatting because mm-hmm. I kind of had it in my mind as like 
I would do topics, you know, do banter. Cause that was kind of another, there's, there's, there's like three or four, like really tried and true now, particularly podcast forms again, different from broadcast thing elsewhere. Like the idea of two people just getting on a mic and bantering was kind of like a morning zoo radio format maybe, but without the music, which I think back then people thought like, no one's going to listen to that. But it was crazy what people listened to and what people clued into. Anyhow, so we did that. And then I think the third episode maybe was doing an interview. Gosh, I can't remember who it might have been. might have been BJ Sabara. I know Andrew was an early one. So I, uh-huh. the, the other thing about Marin's podcast is that he was in the industry as a comedian forever. And so all he literally did was ask his friends to come on the show that he knew and some of them were famous comedians some of them were not so famous but Mm -hmm. um the other thing about that is that i realized is that the not so famous ones often had way more interesting stories and are Mm -hmm. were way better than the famous ones Mm -hmm. so in my mind i was like okay let's just use all that i i've been in the industry quote unquote or a climber i wasn't in the industry until this this Mm -hmm. has put me in the industry but i was a climber forever i was a good enough climber where i was I had dabbled with sponsorship, but I was always there and I climbed with North Face athletes and I climbed with Patagonia athletes because I was good enough to be around. So that was kind of my thing. I was like, well, I'll just play those cards and call and see what these people want to do and see if they trusted me and, um, you know, to do this thing that no one, I mean, that was the days when you had to explain what a podcast was first, then you know, it's like a radio show, blah, 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 you know, and then get them to sit down. Um, and, you know, a lot of people were game and I'm here in Carbondale. So, you know, climbing, then rock and ice were both here. Um, so people were coming through, uh, you know, then the other thing that was really helpful is five point film festival also started around then mm-hmm. maybe a couple of years later. So there was always people coming through with that. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I had the face to face thing going. And so I was just always like a kind of a, you know, sort of this guy that was like a headhunter for people who were going to be around and, and to talk to them. And, um, and then the trade show became really useful for that too. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but it was like, I knew Randy Levitt from back in Southern California and I, you know, got him on and I knew whoever, you know, it's like Jeff Jackson was here in town. He was an early guy. Like Mm -hmm. what a great interview he gave, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, the people who were game, you know, they just like, I could watch them. Like you turn this all on and it's kind of weird you got this mic in front of you and it, but then it's like, and maybe that's the skill I have, which I didn't know I had, but like everybody forgets. I think so. That the mic's there and pretty yeah. soon we're just like rapping. Yeah. And I think the best Enormacast episodes are the ones that really get to the heart of, of loving climbing and then people kind of telling their life story. Right. You know, I guess I'm thinking of like the Jim Danini episode or something. Mm-hmm. Um, what are those moments like for you when you really you get into something that might be unexpected or like how how do you feel around to where you're going to ask about something very personal you know mm-hmm. i think that's what we keep talking about mark maron but i think right. that's what he he does well and he's obviously way more like neurotic <laughs> than right. you are you know um but like how do you how do you feel around and in in know when you can go to those moments or do they just kind of happen organically? Um, they usually happen quite organically, mm-hmm. and I think there's a trust thing, and that's the the bigger the Enormacast has gotten, the more 
helpful it is because people know it. Um, I think I can be a little bit disarming with sort of joking about climbing, you know, understanding that it's not like the, the, you know, you know, as they say, we're not, you know, curing cancer or whatever. It's still this like kind of ridiculous thing, but like that balance between taking it seriously, you know, but also like knowing that it's sort of a frivolous, absurd act. But, and, and again, all these sort of things are in retrospect, it's nothing I planned. The other part of it, I think that is helpful. Um, when I sit down with somebody is that I am not a Gumby Mm. and not to like, you know, say that it's important how hard I climbed or whatever, but I've been around a long time. And I would say at least, I would say probably 70% of the people I've interviewed, like I know more about climbing than they do. Mm-hmm. And so the expertise thing is really helpful with, you know, I, I, I can cite like a Peter Croft um, as that's a favorite in Norma Cast with a lot of people. And in the room, that's my, I think that's my favorite in yeah. the room. I could tell I had kind of had to pursue him. He's not a big media guy. No. And I had to kind of bug him. And then he finally agreed. And we sat down in his hotel room out at Red Rocks. And as an example, to answer your question, he, I could feel like he was like, ah, okay, whatever this is, you know, like this guy's from the, you know, Las Vegas reporter or some. He's, and I could, <laughs> I literally, as we got into it in about five or 10 minutes, I could feel him just be like, okay, this guy's, ready to go he knows about this stuff he knows he knows what he's talking about he's a climber and i'm going to talk to him not about bullshit that's not climbing related or i'll have to explain things but we're really going to get into it Mm -hmm. and we're not just going to do the greatest hits either you know although we ended up doing a lot of them on that but i think all those traits come in to just have somebody relaxed and 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 understand like have respect for me and therefore trust for what i'm about to do but look, I mean, you guys get, you know, it's like people listen and there's these great episodes where it does become forthcoming and we go in somewhere deep. And there's plenty of them that were like fluff. And I mean, in my opinion, like, you know, I got the party line and we didn't we didn't get there. Yeah. And, yeah. And to be honest with you, like you hear I don't edit a ton, but I, I I'll edit out rebuffs mm-hmm. that don't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the way editing works. Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to listen put that out where you listen to me flounder like you know the guy or girl not like pick up on something that i said you know not a ton of that but you get a much smoother like oh he's he's jamming kind of podcast than maybe what actually happened but i mean you can you know it's like we can all cite everybody can cite a favorite mm-hmm. but then you know there's 50 you've forgotten even if you listen to them so it's not always there but you have to mm-hmm. You just have to try to do it and maintain, you know, it's like, it's nice to have one of those episodes every, every few episodes to keep the, keep the fire burning kind of thing. Absolutely. What's your favorite episode? Oh God, I should have prepared for this. <laughs> Look, I've been citing this one. I've been citing the Paul Piano one forever because it's, it was an early one that I really liked. Uh-huh. Paul Piano was like, I don't think in the fifties or something like that. And actually someone just told me that that was one of their favorites. Um, at the fest too um but that was a, that was a really good one um i really liked the stacy bear episode that was yeah. 103 even though it's like if you actually listen to it it doesn't it doesn't it's a I, we're, we're sort of getting to know each other too because that was like a real spontaneous one in yeah the first half 
Um, that was a climbing Zena Normacast connection, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, Stacy wrote a really powerful episode called "Climbing Past War." Right. Uh, in Volume Five, about how climbing saved his life. Um, and, and Stacy, I, I talk to Stacy mm-hmm. once a month on the phone, and he's we go every you go everywhere right, with right. Stacy. Um, well, I think actually though the connection to get him on the show was I had interviewed this guy named Joshua Brandon. Okay, yeah, who's another yeah. vet. Yeah, so I'm taking credit for some. No, no, it's fine <laughs> because it may have been like that. But all yeah, I know yeah, is that yeah. he introduced me to him at the trade show. Yeah, yeah. So I don't yeah, know yeah. what the what yeah. the timeline was between me yeah. interviewing him and stuff and all that coming out. But um, that was a really good one. I mean, shit, the recent this one I just put out three episodes ago with this guy Harvey Wright. Mm. Uh, that was like this wild one because. You know, we connected online and I have a I've been doing them online. I did, I think, 211 or 209 or something like that face to face before the covid. Yeah. Yeah. Switched Every single and, one. I mean, yeah, that is me doing these. I've told you this is about the fourth yeah, or fifth right. interview I've ever done. And most of the the ones are like books on tape. The fact that you did 200 face to face like you deserve like an American Alpine Club award for that. Thank you. Yes, me and Dave Marcinowski were talking about this at the Crag the other day. Thank like, you. You you really do because I yeah. and I you know I, I this will go on record as me being sort of like I don't know schmarmy or whatever, but I agree with you, and I think that what I've whether I meant to or not, what I've created is an archive that rivals some of the things they've granted and given awards to, and and uh, yeah, I'm still waiting for the call. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, so let me say this. You know, the Banff Mountain <laughs> Film Festival gives awards every year, and they do it where's for, my Banff for Award? Es- exactly. They do it for essays, but <laughs> I'm a legend up there anyway already. <laughs> I uh, we I submit stuff for the climbing zine. I suppose and, I have to submit things, don't I? I well, they don't have a podcast category. Maybe yeah, they should. But I would have to submit myself is what the problem is. I still want people to just come to my door and give me an award. Yeah, yeah. And we, we can talk about your, your reticentness of... <laughs> <laughs> we can dive well, more into that right. strategy, but when I was on the Enormicast, I was also writing for the Alpinist and writing for Rock and Ice in that time period. I've kind of since just only do the zine and independently publish, but I got a hundred percent, you know, a thousand percent more comments on my Enormicast episode than being an Alpinist or Rock and Ice. Okay. And for me, that was pretty mind blowing. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, but the articles they tend to do on us are these like little little bit pieces that you know well no i mean writing for those publications like me writing an essay yeah yeah, the feedback that i get from those from from being published in those publications was nothing compared to being on on the podcast you know yeah yeah but i didn't finish your question harvey wright i just interviewed this cat three episodes ago um and what i was gonna say is like more so than in person when i'm done with an interview online i i walk away with from it like i don't know what that i don't know what i just got there hmm. uh, maybe my brain is disconnected or the feel is wrong but i'm i i know it's on my hard drive i know what we talked about but i'm like mm-hmm. i didn't have i don't i don't have a i don't like it i don't have a sense for what the feel was like and yeah. then i went later and edited it and i was like wow this is really a fucking great in- interview and harvey did a great job and it was one about him and addiction and Hmm. So it's those things again, like, I mean, truth be told, those are like great places to go and in mind for meaning. And uh, I think he did an awesome job. And I was really in editing. I was like, oh, man, like this is really rad. You know, we're here and we're in there. And I had no feel for it when I was doing it, which is uh, yeah. why I'm I'm trying. I'm not going to give up the 
the the internet thing because I can you know go across the world. But I'm trying to move back to in person ones because yeah, it's just so much for me. It's so much more uh, useful and and meaningful and you know I get a feel for what's going on and therefore I can kind of be more deep in the interview. It's just really hard through the screen. Yeah, yeah. Especially if things start to go wrong technically. Right. Ugh, it's the fucking worst. Yeah, yeah. It can just like. You could be in the deepest place, and then all of a sudden the whole thing glitches or shuts down, and it's just like, well, there went that. You know, even if you got it recorded, you got to start back up and somehow like go back there. It's like, mm -hmm. no way. That's, I mean, it's like art in general. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you're like in the middle of the most amazing writing session you can, and all of a sudden it's like some the mailman bangs on the door. You're like, what? <laughs> like, or whatever. You know, it's like yeah. those interruption can be real yeah. disruptive. No, I've always know? said if I ever murder someone, it's gonna be because they it interrupted my writing right. routine. Yeah, you know? totally. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, what does it mean to you to mean so much to the climbing community? Because I I have my ears to the ground. Um, I I know what you you mean. Um, and let me give an example from another person. You know, Shingo gave a great presentation the other night at the the land at the climbers festival, and they had some technical difficulties. People in the back couldn't hear him, but they were figuring that stuff out. Right. Um, but these guys came up to me right before. You know, they're just like Shingo is my hero, right. and uh, and then Shingo was here there like ten minutes later, and Shingo's like. You know, he's very nervous about his presentation. He's like, I don't know if I should be talking about climbing and blowing it up, you know. And then I told him about these people, and right. he got emotional that he, 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 you know, he's just one of those people that, and I've, I've heard that he's like an elusive person to get on the Normacast. So, Shingo, if you're listening, you should get on the Normacast. But I think he's agreed. I think I just never pursued it. Okay. So, yeah, I need to get yeah, it done. It's yeah, just one of yeah. those things. Need to get it done. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And those guys actually brought that up. They're right. like, we want Shingo on the right. Normacast. Yeah, no, I'm buddies with that guy. I mean, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. great. He's great. But I, I know that you mean a lot especially to the younger generation. Uh, and I'm sure you know that too. Huh. Um, you're giving me a look that you might not know that. <laughs> I don't um, feel like I have a good connection to like really young climbers, but well, that's, well, maybe I, maybe I just know this because I'm an outsider. Oh, okay. Um, and so maybe I'm like delivering you new information, but I do feel like you mean a lot to a lot of younger climbers and they they love the enormous and it's like you're their buddy on a road trip and we didn't have that with our generation right. of travel like we grew up and you know we're a few years apart but i think we had the general same experience mm -hmm. you know no mm -hmm. smartphones um we're reading books um we didn't have podcasts you know we didn't really even have internet you know like no online dating to fill your <laughs> lonely moments right, right, right. like yeah. we grew up in a, a different era right. um but yeah so i don't know what Maybe this is new to you, but w what does it mean to you to mean something to the climate community? Well, I, I, it's not new to me. I understand. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I get emails so, and, and people talk to me. So I, mm -hmm. I did, when I raised my eyebrows, yeah. my podcast eyebrows that no one can see, um, it was because of the younger thing. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm never sure, you know, and mm. I don't have a good, you know, I don't do any sort of like market like research or i mean there's i guess some way to maybe get more specific about who's listening but i i just don't really care to do that stuff so um i don't know who's listening i do i but i know i mean i know it means a lot and i know these episodes can have a huge impact and the again the breadth of the of the total sum of the work is pretty awesome and it's you know looking back on it again i just collected it two a month for years not really with a purpose or not really reflecting on what it all meant, but what it 
turned out to be is this huge repository of, of climbing uh, history, you know, to the point of having people who are gone. Right. You know, so, um, yeah, so it's like I understand that what I've created is meaningful to people. Mm -hmm. And we talk, you know, I was just talking about Harvey and his struggles. Mm -hmm. And when you get into struggles, you know, that's powerful stuff mm -hmm. because everybody's like, oh, that's me, or I have an identification with that, or that meant a lot to me. So it's like, you don't understand, I mean, you don't understand that until you start producing media. Um, and the podcast thing is funny because you, you do just put it out there, especially in the early days of podcasting. And you know, you're like looking at your download numbers. Yeah. You're like, Oh my God, like 500 people listened. Uh -huh. And that feels like a big deal. And you're like, well, God, you know, like I'm sort of embarrassed or something at first. And mm -hmm. even myself, I mean, I seem like I'm super comfortable with it now, which mm -hmm. I am, but I was the same way, like putting yeah. things out into the ether that anybody can, you know, it's like if I came in and like opened up your journals and mm -hmm. like, I'm just like, yeah, man, I'll just like read through this shit that you're not even ready to put out there yet. Mm -hmm. And podcasting is like, you know, it's so off the cuff, it's not highly edited. And so you put it out there and you're just like, oh, I said that thing. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, th I think it's, it's awesome for me because, you know, I was a much more avid climber, much more out there, you know, when I was younger. And so what it's sort of become is, this more powerful connection to the community than I ever had. Mm -hmm. And it's happening to me as my actual climbing, you know, I mean, literally since 2011 has steadily declined, mm -hmm. not necessarily in grades or whatever, but just the amount of climbing I do mm -hmm. and the amount of travel climbing I do. I think, you know, those two things are a little bit different in how you interact with the community. But, you know, if you go post up in a campground, you know, in Indian Creek or wherever, somewhere, there's this connection you create over five weeks to people that you don't, you know, just, I went to Rifle this morning at 6 a.m. and we left at 2, you know. Mm -hmm. It's like, we're just dipping in. So it's cool because here I am with this bigger connection to the community while I'm climbing and I'm in the community less. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a much bigger connection. I mean, a yeah. much, I mean, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people feel like they know me. right. And, you know, and then also I'm in the industry now, which is, you know, a whole other thing that you and I have different levels of ambivalence towards. But uh, but it's also yeah. part of that. So it's kept climbing in my life in a powerful way that uh, if I was just a dude, you know, in his twilight banging away on rifle sport routes, it wouldn't I wouldn't have that connection to the community that I do now. And I generally almost without exception enjoy the interaction i have with people who want mm -hmm. to talk about the show mm -hmm. bring it up you know other than the times when i'm confused for chris hampton um, <laughs> nice which has happened quite a lot in the That's last awesome. few weeks i mean i was in lander and confused for him in lander yeah um this last weekend but but yeah no it's it's been fun and it's all positive at least inner interactions like no one comes up and tells me how much i suck or right whatever, but, right um in fact nobody I get very little negative feedback, which has been surprising and awesome, you know, for something that's on the internet. Yeah. Right. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. You get recognized for Chris Hampton. He's way more hip hop. He's got a more hip hop vibe than I, you do. It's, like, it's partially <laughs> just physical. Yeah. 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 You know? Totally. We're both yeah. bald. We're both of a certain age. Um, he has yeah. strikingly blue eyes though that I don't Yeah, he have. does. He does. So I don't know where that, where they confuse me with him, but you know, we're not, he's a little bigger than I am, but. Um, and we're both podcasters, so it all sort of connects. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. Jessica Goble yeah. actually was the one who started it. She was like, posted something where she was like, has anyone ever seen Chris Kloos and <laughs> Chris Hampton in the same room together? <laughs> I love that. Um, and what are these moments with these climbers? You know, you mentioned people that have passed away. Um, what do these moments mean to you that you, you get um, with them? Because I think once you put a microphone in someone in front of someone and, and once you kind of go deep, which you're not afraid to go deep. What is, what does that mean to you to have those moments and how does that enrich your life? Well, it's obviously, you know, I was old enough in climbing to know that climbers die and have had friends die, but it now it didn't, you know, it's just not something I thought about as I was doing the normal cast that like some of these people would die. I mean, when I started it, I had no idea how long it would last. Mm -hmm. whether I'd burn out and no one would care, or no one would listen or, um, you know, there was a point I didn't start it to make money, but there was a point where just to justify the time because it takes time away from other things, you know, it needs to pay a little bit. And so, and then all of a sudden, you know, you, I got to a point where, yeah, like, uh, I mean, I don't know who I, I can't do a like tally of, of who's been and who hasn't, but yeah. you know, Bjornstadt was someone who passed away yeah. not long after I put his episode out, which mm -hmm. was clearly going to happen. Cause I literally, you know, interviewed him in his hospital bed. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was in hospice essentially. And, uh, so I mean, and again, it didn't, occur Oh no, actually it was Kevin Landolt. It was the, yeah. it was, uh, yeah, Kevin. That was, I, I love that episode of Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was like, yeah. That was some powerful shit. Yeah, yeah. Because you know? if yeah, if you guys just to remind, it's like yeah. a young kid who got leukemia, and I interviewed him. I mean, he, it had re, uh, um, what's the word? Um, when you get uh, when you get it out of remission, or yeah, yeah, I mean, he he had yeah. gotten it for the second time, and you know, statistically, it's essentially a death sentence. Yeah, and you know, we 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 talked, and it was like a it was like a um it was the elephant in the room. I mean, the guy was like way down the key second round of chemo, mm -hmm. you know, but kept it positive and light and like that. Everything's going to be good. And then he passed away, you know, not long after. And so, you know, it's a powerful thing to think that, um, his family or whatever can hear him. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so, I mean, in, 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 from a historical standpoint or whatever, you know, uh, I think, you can read a book about somebody you can you can read articles you can read reports of what they did but to hear their voice and not just a snippet but a conversation that goes from laughing to being serious and back to laughing and all the places is a is a powerful glimpse of who they are mm -hmm. regardless of what we talked about mm -hmm. and i always talk about laughing like you hear yeah. somebody laugh like for real mm -hmm that's like a huge window into who that was yeah. and so, or is or whatever. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like, I don't know, you know, it would have been great to have Bjorn set on 10 years earlier, you mm -hmm. know, because he was definitely elderly and definitely not firing, but I still think it was a service to, to have that. I mean, it's still out there, right? You know, it's yeah. out there forever. Absolutely. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And Hayden's the big one. Like he was on a bunch. Yeah. Um, he was a real important part of, why the podcast took off was because yeah. I, I got the Sarah Torre right. I remember that interview. Yeah, 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 I was yeah. like six and seven, I think is what it is. And it, so it turns out he was an important part because that was something everybody was like, I heard these, you know, the, the Patagonia Taliban is on the, 
this this thing like you can hear him explain what he had to do so a lot of people tuned into that and then it it kind of like set the stage for people to just keep listening because they're like wow that was really cool and powerful and so you know and now he's out there and yeah. and i know that his parents listen mm-hmm. yeah you know, so he's so fucking funny too like i yeah, remember the a- episode with bisher him and bisher and you just right. riffing i don't even know what it was God, but yeah. so such a stand-up comedian yeah and um, so i mean i think it's a powerful thing and like there's not a lot of that like pure archive type stuff or there wasn't up until now you know especially yeah. before uh digital video mm-hmm. when you know movies had to be made on film there's not there's like these climbing films but they're almost like so anachronistic they're you know it's it's not even that big a glimpse or they were staged you know they were like some footage that tom brokaw did mm-hmm. of like backer climbing but i mean shit imagine a, a norma cast with backer like oh, man. you know near the end of his life reflecting on it all yeah. There's snippets of that out there. Right. But nobody kind of thought of like, or there's no other format previously where it was really just like turn the mics on and see what happens and then put that out. Yeah. And you know I think I mean? you, I do. And, and I think you get it's to the kn- power of this medium. Yeah. And you actually get to know someone because I think in climbing media, people are put on a pedestal and, and you think you know who they are, right. like a Conrad anchor or, mm-hmm. Um, someone like that. Uh, I, I've just been, there's been several episodes of the Enorm cast. I'm kind of blanking on more names than Conrad, right. but like you think you know them mm-hmm. and then you hear them talk for an hour and a half. And like, I didn't, I didn't know this person. Right. Uh, I get the same thing out of writing, you know, like uh, Brittany Goris is, mm-hmm. is working on a, have you interviewed her? Yes. Yeah. She's working on a story and I just kind of started diving into some s- short videos and then seeing her writing is like, Oh, I didn't, I kind of made a judgment of who she was before I knew who sh- she right. actually was or saw much. Cause you like, right. you just see, you know, it's usually it's just an image and what they've climbed. Right. And then I think a lot of times you can almost be envious of, of someone um, because, Oh, they're, they're, they're living the dream and they're, yeah. and then you hear about their life and, and everything like that. And they're like, Oh, they're just another human being. Like yeah. Or, else. or like, yeah. Or even, you know, they're like struggling way more than you are, you know? Yeah, yeah, the like, Dean oh. Feidelman episode right. uh, or two-part episode. That was really a good deep one. He went really deep. Well, and that cool yeah. thing is, and I was thinking about this while you were talking, is that you know, I, I you can you can like give me the some credit for my interviewing or whatever, but it it really really matters if they come to the table ready to go. Mm-hmm. And Dean was in this place, and we and he told me this, and he's like, "Yeah, I really want to talk," mm-hmm. you know late in his career um and you know a lot to reflect on and you know i like the young climber ones and some are good but a lot of times it's like literally like you're not ready yet to Mm -hmm. to reflect Mm -hmm. and and not to i think britney's was great Mm -hmm. but i felt in that way of like even now like a couple years later i bet you i would get a totally different interview out of her Mm -hmm and more time to reflect and more things that have happened and you know and so the late the later on ones and people like yeah you got to get some of these young comp climbers and stuff and and with the caveat that i have gotten interviews out of people where i didn't expect much and it was amazing Mm -hmm. and so my expectations i i try to dampen them down because i'm i'm often wrong but a lot of times it's like yeah you know it's like we're not quite ready to go anywhere deep because it's all right there in their face still, you know? Um, so, you know, 
back to those kind of late in life ones and these folks that have passed away, it's it's pretty interesting, you know, to to get this deep reflection. And the thing about Hayden is that he was he was like this kind of old man in a kid's body. I mean, he uh-huh. he really was like this crazy mix of both because he was like could be like the most crass, immature little shit. Mm-hmm. And then he also could like whip out this stuff. You're just like, whoa, you know, where, where is that coming from? You know, I think that was like the thing that really drew people to him. Um, and then he had this, he had this like impeccable integrity, mm-hmm. which uh, may have killed him. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the question even was. Yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> um, and, and what, like you also have like, got to interview i mean i just i think about like honald being on joe rogan mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he talks to you you right, know and right. it, like joe rogan is you know the biggest podcast in the world yeah um no one really knows why but <laughs> that's another subject but True. like what how do you how do you prepare for someone like honald or is it just like everyone else just like everybody else yeah um i've again the the, the experience in climbing um is i mean at least the first couple times i interviewed honnell i definitely do knew more about climbing than he does mm-hmm. did mm-hmm. okay i mean just as far as the history of everything else so it's like yeah and then I, you listen to climbing gold and you're like yeah right. i definitely know more about climbing yeah. history than honnell because he's bullshitting yeah, yeah, a lot of that right but i mean and that's just the thing is i'm coming to the table i'm not particularly intimidated um and i've known him forever i mean i know uh-huh. knew, and so going back to like the beginnings of it the fact that i know these people is a big helpful thing in it um but as far as alex is concerned i just want to say like he's been from early on to now he's like incredibly generous with his time to me Mm -hmm. and um and i've always just like you know felt that he's you know he believes in what i do and and he enjoys it and and uh and you know we're friends to a certain extent Mm -hmm. and so i've just always felt like okay that's really really good of him and i don't i don't like to like press him to do the show or i don't like to be this guy that's like oh i gotta get hauled on to get my numbers up or whatever Mm -hmm. um and so when it does come around it's usually like both of us are like yeah it's time and he likes talking to climbers and he and he makes fun of going on rogan and all the other stuff Mm because He's a guy that doesn't like bullshit. Dude, the story about uh, early Joe Rogan where they all got super stoned right. and like didn't he didn't even they didn't know what he didn't know what was going on. It's yeah. it's funny to hear that. You yeah, know? totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, it's funny to hear that a pot like I mean Joe Rogan signed a hundred million dollar deal with Spotify right. and it just started off with him just smoking weed and drinking whiskey and yeah, talking yeah. to people. Yeah, I mean it's that's insane. Dream right? Yeah um but yeah he was there first in a lot of ways with that format i mean he kind of took it from uh it was a lot of stern influence but um right stern, but, sure yeah but yeah, yeah. i mean that, and that's the thing about alex is he's just always been generous to me and and uh we have a good time talking and he enjoys talking about climbing to climbers and that's and in his mind like the you know he says it's like the normal cast is where you do that you know yeah totally um i mean one of the quotes from a previous one was like if you're a climber you got to do the normal cast mm-hmm um, you know, and he's, he, he makes the effort to make mm-hmm. it happen. You know, I pretty much shut him down last time. Yeah. Cause I had to go. <laughs> I was like, dude, we're done. Like <laughs> zip it. <laughs> and what does it mean to you to see you've been climbing a little bit longer than I have? I mean, what does it mean to you? You're still engaged with climbing. I think a lot of people at our age and, and as they get older can write off climbing mm-hmm. and be like, Oh, it was the glory days when I was a climber and now it's nothing. Uh, which I think Honnold is actually, I was talking a little bit of shit about the climbing gold 
riffing that he does, but mm-hmm. he's he's very good about not being crusty at all, and oh, very no. much he's he sees where climbing is going, and he's he's had his moment. I mean, what what does it mean to you to to see climbing go from what it was in in the early '90s to to what it is now, and then you're still a, a part of it? Right. Well, I to go back to a previous question, like what does the Enormacast mean to me? If I wasn't doing the Enormacast, I'd probably be way more crusty. Um, it keeps me engaged yeah. in a positive way. Yep. Um, if I was just like going about my business, you know, on my own, I'd probably be a lot more pissed off. Um, and but I, I am, I'm, you know, to be honest with you, like I, and it's it's sort of hypocritical because I have this podcast that like sort of promotes climbing. Um, my mission isn't really to talk to anybody that doesn't already climb, and I don't think many people tune in that don't already climb but Mm -hmm. it's still out in the ether promoting the sport and so i do i mean i do get a little bummed Mm -hmm. um about the crowds yeah and about how the you know you and i both climb in indian creek like indian creek is is my test case because it's the place i climb the most consistently for the longest Mm -hmm. and uh in the places you know it's a very different experience but along with that goes the anecdote where a lot of times like Steph, who my partner, who's super into Indian Creek still, I'm a little, Oh, I'm about it. You know, she's like, let's go to the Creek. And I'm like, ah, I don't know, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, you always have fun. You will have fun. You mm-hmm. always have fun when you go there. And she's right. Yeah. Once I get there and I'm climbing and everything, I have just as much fun as I always did. So it's like, there's this like, fantasy place the way it used to be i'm like i'm i'm you know guilty of that as well of this like it used to be better and but the truth is is like you know once you start climbing that crack it's the same as it always was Mm. you're plugging away at it hurts and you know whatever so i just have to always check myself to remember like okay you know what was the experience really like and was it that important that you know 50 feet over from me there was nobody else and now there's people like Mm -hmm. you know and do i really get shut down on the things i want to do that often in a way that i didn't before and so you just got to be like careful about what the reality of it i mean we live in this time where like reality and and fantasy are like it's so indecipherable you know this just like the the conservatives like thinking that the world was somehow better 30 years ago it's always Mm -hmm. in the past and it's like no 30 years ago it sucked and the 1950s sucked like yeah you know what i mean so it's like climbing is the same way in my brain so um you know overall it's like i got the crust i'm old you know i want my things to be the same as they always were but in general i mean i'm still engaged i still love it i still climb as much as i possibly can um you gotta you know i go to despite the fact that rifles overrun i still go and I usually have a great time and I see all my friends and I see yeah. people I know and I talk to people about the enormous cast and totally the net positive is other than I couldn't find parking. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And you probably have that extra advantage that you are who you are when you yeah. go into rifle. Yeah. You know, like people, people know who you are and, right. and you brighten up their day and then they brighten up your day. And I think that's what, to me, what the climbing community is all about is this energy that we kind of can transfer mm-hmm. to one another. Like I, I drove here, I stayed in Meeker last night <laughs> and uh, like drove in and was just kind of feeling like shit after, you know, partying a bunch in Lander. And then I went to the climbing gym for two hours and talked to a couple of people and climbed. And then I walked out of there. I was just like super stoked, right, you know? Right. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's like it, it is true, though, it's changed. I mean, the, the positives, I mean, there's so many more women who climb and, you know, um, you know, that may sound sort of like um, some sort of dog looking for like women to climb, like hook up with. But yeah. just the fact that fact alone has yeah, changed yeah. The, the dynamic. I mean, you know, it's not incredibly diverse, but I think diversity is on everybody's mind and, and yeah. people in general are more accepting of all that. So those are good things um you know but i think like you 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 know your whole your whole brand is the dirtbag right mm -hmm. and i'd also lament the kind of like upscale sort of money part of climbing that that's you know so obvious i mean you know to bust on sprinters or not it's this obvious when you go to a place where it's like most of the cars are like built out sprinters you're like okay we're dealing with a demographic here that's you know, not have, they haven't suffered, you know? The, yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah, like, it yeah. used to be such this outcast yeah. thing. And that's just a fact for sure. Although, you know, a lot of those also, guys were slumming from college, even the yeah. golden age dudes and stuff like that. So it's yeah. always been an upper demographic. Yeah, for sure. Um, so again, that may be this fantasy thing that I'm, I'm living in as well. Um, you your dream, dream interviews, Chris, um, who, who have you not gotten the, you know, you've talked about this in the Norma cast, but let's just put it out there um, who you really want to get um, to interview on the Enorma cast? I think it would probably end up being a terrible interview, but I'd be psyched to interview Reinhold Messner. <laughs> Why do you think it'd be terrible? I don't know. I feel like he's a he's he's a guy that like he's so professional and he's so used to being on this pedestal and everything. I don't know if yeah. I could get get deep into Reinhold Messner's world. I mean, how fun would that be? But do you know what I mean? Like a professional. Like so deeply revered professional, yeah. And he's, you know, he's got a brand, and he's, you know, it's like, I don't know if he, you know, we could shoot the shit as it were. Like, can right. you imagine? I mean, yeah. just again, this is me projecting, but can yeah. you imagine Reinhold Messner just like kicking back and shooting the shit, mm -hmm. and laughing and like making jokes and shit? I, I just don't see it happening. But mm -hmm. I'd be willing to go to his castle and try, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. just like have him lower the drawbridge, <laughs> fly in, like fly metaphorically castle, yeah. and physically lower the drawbridge. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But that would be super cool. You know, there's some big names that I've, you know, Sharm has never been on the show and I have a relationship, you know, through some other people, but with him like that, he could probably get it done. He's hard to, he's hard to pin down. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, just recent people that have come to mind, which are more like, like they're not out of touch, but I just haven't got around to it. Is um, is, is Chantelle Astorga? Do you mm. know this name? I don't know. I think that's her first name, but yeah. she seems like a, a complete and utter badass. I'd like to get Catherine Desteville on; would be really fun. Uh -huh. I think she speaks good enough English. We could we could get an hour, uh -huh. um, which is is always an issue, you know. Yeah. Um, and speaking of that, like, uh, freaking. And maybe uh, the Grimer would help me with this, but Jerry Moffat would be sick. Oh, yeah. 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 So, you know, I have that 80s fetish. Uh -huh. Like, I have a mission to fill in the 80s. Sure, and, uh, sure. He's a big 80s guy. Yeah. Um. So that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I just want to end this by thanking you for your time and, yeah, no and thanking for your, you for the body of work that you've given all of us. And uh, um, just super grateful to have become friends with you through this medium. And I, I really don't think if I hadn't started the zine and you hadn't started the Enormacast that we would even be friends. Yeah, you know, we'd just be like, hey, what's up, dude? And like the creek or whatever. Although yeah, you, totally. You we'd both be crusty. Cliffs, you climb, <laughs> yeah, we, you, when you climb at cliffs down there, that uh, you, people don't just ca casually show up at anyway. So 
it's not like I would necessarily run into you at Supercrack that often. No, because like I that. never go to Supercrack. Right, but right. I do see you at the Supercrack parking lot because I hang zines there. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. when I see you. But, well, let's let's end this actually on the, the only time we've ever climbed together. We've climbed together once. Yeah, you We did wall. a first ascent. Yeah. It was after the Cubs won the World Series. I'm from Illinois. You're from Illinois. And I was drilling a bolt in a 5-7 chimney or something right. at a stance, and there was a rainbow outside the chimney, and you took me off belay because I never was on belay. Right. And I, I, you went and looked at this rainbow, and then you came back, and I finished drilling the bolt. Well, yeah, because and you weren't clipped anything. Yeah, I wasn't clipped anything, yeah, so, so you didn't actually take right, me off yes, belay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I don't want people to be like, oh, the asshole took him off belay. Like, I wasn't doing anything at that point. I was just standing there with the rope running up to your harness. So. Totally. And we, we named the climb Holy Cow Cubs Win. All right, on. Famous Harry Carey statement. God, that and was right before the election, too. Yeah, it was that glorious period yeah. where the Cubs had won the World Series after 100 years. Um, but hopefully we'll climb again soon. Yeah, or, I gotta, I gotta yeah. come check out this purple Camelot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys oh, have been dealing with. <laughs> We're oh, gonna end this sh- now. <laughs> you just keep posting it all over Instagram. What are you talking about? That's dude? true. That's true. Nobody in the basement can hear me. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. You the man. That was episode fourteen of season two, conversation with Chris Caloose. Hope you all enjoyed that. As I said at the top, I uh, would encourage you to head over to theenormacast.com and make a little donation to Chris if you appreciated that episode, if you appreciate the work that Chris does. Music from this episode is by Devin Dabney. Our digital editor and producer is Chad Rich. And I'm Luke Mihal signing off from beautiful Durango, Colorado. Peace.